Hello and welcome to Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, I have an interview with Jason Jones, comic book editor and artist. Uh, he is the comic book editor behind such books as Superior Sam, and currently he is the editor on The Amazing Adventures of Superior Sam, Everyone Needs a Home, which is now on Kickstarter. Uh, this is Noah, and Jason, why don't you give us a quick bio about yourself? Hi, I'm Jason Jones. I, As Noah said, I'm the editor on The Amazing Adventure of Superior Sam. I am by trade a higher education administrator. I work at Lees McCray College in North Carolina as the Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs. I am a, um, again, just a, a person who loves comic books. I love working with people. I love hanging out and in, especially working with kids and working with students. And so I kind of got in contact with the author of Superior Sam. And I loved his work and I wanted to work with him. And so kind of he, him and I collaborated a little bit to uh, help me become the editor. And as I've been working with him, it just developed into a partnership and a friendship and has led me to here. So I'm excited to be here and uh, I'll let Noah lead me into how this interview is going to go. It's my first interview, so I'm excited to be here and, and happy to, to learn along with Noah. Yeah, this will be this will be great to talk. I had a great time talking with you on Sunday, so I don't think we'll have a hard time filling up an episode. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll start off with uh, just sort of your comics origin story. Did you grow up reading comics and or what, what, what was your relationship with comics before you started helping create them? Oh, that's a, a great story in itself. Uh, so I didn't have a comic store around me. And in the small town where I grew up, there were no real comics to speak of. And I didn't have any money to buy comics as it was. And I remember uh, our family was taking a vacation to visit some friends in Covington, Virginia. And during the trip down, uh, my parents had given us a little bit of spending cash. And we stopped at a gas station uh, somewhere along the way, uh, some probably somewhere around Roanoke or somewhere close by. And in that gas station, there was a spinner rack and it had some comics on it. And I remember purchasing a couple of comics. And I don't remember exactly what the first one that I purchased was, but it was in the um, early 1980s. And um, it was probably an X-Men or an Alpha Flight or uh, something that now I'm in love with uh, later on here in life. And then I just remember scouring and, and pouring over those pages and loving every minute of it, and then trying to recreate uh, the drawings that were on those pages as a kid. And as I got back to home from that vacation, I looked around and, and didn't find anywhere that I could buy comics. And so it was an entire year later that we went back to that same house in, in Covington, and we stopped at that same store, and that same spinner rack had the next layer of comics on it. And so I was able to purchase another comic book. And again, I think it, I'm pretty sure that was an amazing Spider-Man. And again, drew that, uh, traced and drew and, and learned more about the comic history that way. And then the Fork Union Pharmacy uh, at our local small town sort of uh, pharmacy slash convenience slash everything store uh, got some comics. And then I was able to every now and again, purchase a comic. So I never had like a run of comics, but I remember reading the X-Men and I remember reading um, kind of Daredevil and, and some other books around there. And finally, as I got a little bit older and started working and could afford to buy comics, 
got into some of the runs and was able to start purchasing more. And so Thor um, by Walt Simonson at that time and some of the um, other comics that I just fell in love with. So I collected until 1991. And that's when I went to college and I sold all of my comics except for my copies of X Factor and Alpha Flight and a few Excalibur comics because I just really enjoyed those three titles immensely. And so I kept them over the years. And it wasn't until a, a young man started working for me when I was the dean of students at a, at a small school in Virginia that he was reading comics. And he said, hey, you used to read comics that we had talked about it at one time. He said, would you be interested in reading some of the ones I have? And I told him, I'm too old for comics. I, I don't, I'm not really a superhero guy anymore and everything. And um, he said, well, I think you'd really enjoy the, the Walking Dead. And I had no idea what it was or anything, but he brought in one of the trade paperbacks of The Walking Dead. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> this black and white, this death and mayhem and curse words. And I was like, holy cow, how, what is this? And how is, how are comics evolved? And after I sort of devoured what was available of The Walking Dead at that time, he brought by the comic book Invincible. And I started reading that and uh, reading it in trade up until the point where it was still in publication at the time. And that got me hooked. Uh, I went to our local comic book store in Roanoke, Virginia, and set up a pull list and started buying comics again. Uh, I fell in love with, you know, all of the titles that were out there, but mostly the indie titles. I, I wasn't reading X-Men. I wasn't reading other comics that uh, I had read in the past, but things like Manifest Destiny, uh, you know, historical fiction that was out and the local comic book artist, Matthew Roberts was in the area. And so I got a chance to meet him and talk with him about how he created his art and kind of fell in love with that. And as I was, you know, purchasing comics, I started drawing again. And so in 2019, I started really kind of getting into drawing comics again. And I did um, the Inktober drawing challenge. Uh, and some of it was comic related, but others was just were images that, that I wanted to draw. But in 2020, I decided to do the Inktober with nothing but Walking Dead panels and use the themes from the Inktober to draw Walking Dead images. And so I had a whole series for that entire month of Walking Dead. And that led me into thinking about, you know, hey, maybe I could do some of these panels on my own. Uh, during that time, I had met Chris Barcom at um, The Secret Lair in Harrisonburg, Virginia, the local comic shop. And he is the author and, and creator of The Amazing Adventure of Superior Sam. And I had purchased a couple of the, the early issues that uh, were at the local shop. And I enjoyed the, the story and the character and what he was doing and how it was all ages. And I just kind of approached him and started talking with him about, you know, hey, I wouldn't mind being a part to look at some of the continuity of the book, um, maybe some of the writing and, and talk about, you know, that process and learn a little bit more. And by the time he reached issue six, uh, he had asked me to be the editor and to work on the issue to kind of, uh, again, improve the writing and to work on, you know, just some of the panel by panel um, consistency within the work. Uh, I loved it. I had never um, experienced what it took to make a comic. So I thought it was just, hey, you draw all these images, put some words on it and then and then sell it. And so my first introduction to how to build a comic or construct a comic was him submitting the script to me. And I'm like, okay, where's the pictures? 
<laughs> what's going on and here it was nothing but words and you know this panel is going to go with this these words and i was like how is this working but i went through and, and learned quite a bit on the fly of you know how to do this uh i enjoyed it thoroughly i gave him lots of notes and you know we kind of walked back and forth like this is what i think you know this is what he thought and then um, when the art came in with the with the letters, you know, how did it look? Did the words flow well? Did the story flow picture to picture? Was the person's shorts in this panel on page two the same color on page four? Uh, you know, the glasses where they here on the forehead and then in the next scene where they want his face, you know, what how did that transition happen? And so we had lots of discussions about the creation. And it just gave me a new insight into how comics were created and a different lens to look at when I started reading comics. Uh, so that's sort of my comics history. I, I have a lot of comics now. I collect many titles, mostly indie, um, some horror uh, in the horror genre. And um, most recently I experienced my first Comic Con at the Charlotte um, Heroes Con where I got a chance to meet Noah and Matt and um, Chris sort of toured me around and kind of helped me get some in on on how to meet people and uh -huh. I got to meet a number of the uh, comic artists that I that I really admire and love to emulate and think about their careers. I don't think I'll ever be an actual you know dedicated lifetime like only do comic art but I love to draw comic art and I love to um, create uh, a lot of times from the art that has been created. I like to recreate it and see what they've done. And as I'm drawing, studying their lines and think about why they placed that line there, how they decided to, you know, shade this way or to use these uh, inking techniques in, in this instance. Um, Kevin Castaneri, who did the art for the comic Grit, um, he it was such a raw style and I was able to purchase an original art page from uh, the, the first issue and the um, story behind it. Uh, the first panel at the top has a, a number of ogres and the characters in silhouette looking at those ogres and kind of between his legs and, and body there. And he wrote to me after I had connected with him about buying that piece that he had named each one of those ogres. And then he said, wow. I have that note somewhere. And um, the next thing you know, we had talked and he had um, mailed me the actual page that he had written down all of the kind of who the, the names of the ogres. And so I have that to go along with that page. But even on that page, you can see the pencil lines and the, you know, how the ink lines differed from the pencil lines and where there were splatters on the page where he took a toothbrush and sprayed the ink. And, you know, even the notes that said, you need to erase this, but they're actually in the comic. Uh, and so that was really amazing. And then during the con, I got to meet um, Andre Muti, who is the artist for the um, uh, Massacre of New York or the, oh gosh, I think I'm ruining that name of the um, the character that's there, I didn't bring that book down, but he also does Bunny Mask. And I really enjoy Bunny Mask. And he had a couple of original pieces of art um, that he was selling there, pencil art. And so I purchased a couple of pieces and wow. just studying his lines uh, and how he put that together and how clean it is. It is his, his work is super clean. And I'm just looking at it amazed that I don't see any erasure marks. I yeah. see these lines that he's drawn in and how he's done his angles. And that just really speaks to me as 
as an artist, because a lot of times I won't do the kind of the heavy um, erasing, but then there are times that I erase a lot because I'm trying to, you know, emulate someone else. Uh, and then I was able to purchase um, some Matthew Roberts art, who is the artist on Manifest Destiny, yeah. and he's done some covers of The Walking Dead and, and a few other covers, I think, for Brit, uh, for Image Comics. And I met him again and talked with him. He's the artist from the Roanoke area that was at B&D Comics. And he did me original piece of um, art from, you know, that he created, but the character on Manifest Destiny, Sacagawea. And, you know, I basically said, I'd love for you to create a piece where she's fighting um, a flying monster. And he said, well, you want it from the book or just whatever? And I said, I just want you to do whatever. Yeah. And he came back with a piece of her um, riding a dragon. And one hand, she, you know, is, is kind of holding, you know, a stick and the other is a spear and the spear is through the, the dragon. And, you know, I got to watch him ink that while, you know, I was at the con and see his work there. So. I love the art. Um, I love how the words bring out and um, kind of, you know, that's how the art's being created, but the emotion and the story is in the art. Um, but it detracts when it's not well written. It detracts from that when there are errors in, uh, throughout the, the comic. It detracts when there are continuity issues. And I remember <laughs> I had had to chuckle a little bit because, you know, there are some famous artists that you think, you know, gosh, you know, who am I as this little peon to comment on Frank Cho while he's drawing live about, <laughs> um, you know, fight girls. And one of the things that I commented one time was just like, you know, there's no way that she could have kicked from this panel to that panel because the woman had her pinned um, on top and her legs were pinned. And so the next scene where she's kicking the other girl in the jaw, I was like, there's no way to do that. And then to actually get the issue and see how that pose has been changed to where that leg was free to be able to do that. Oh, wow. I know he would have caught it anyways, but it's like, you know, hey, I, I remember commenting about that. Yeah. Or David Finch, when he's doing his live drawings on YouTube, which, by the way, if you haven't seen that, please absolutely yeah. go out and, and take a look at that. Um, but, you know, he's drawing Batman and the shadow is just off a little bit. And so you're typing in the comments, you know, hey, you might want to look at the shadow here. And, you know, who who, who is this person who's presumptuous enough to <laughs> talk to these artists? Um, but it's, it's that type of eye that you need when you're editing comics to see right. things like that. So it does not detract from the, the final piece. Um, and so that's, again, that's my journey into comics uh, from, you know, being a, uh, a teenager all the way through, you know, where I'm at now. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing all that. I was very engrossed in your journey and in, in comics. And it was cool to hear about um, this sort of natural progression that you have. And it's everybody we've had on the show sort of has that moment where they go away from comics and then they come back. So it's always cool to hear when and where that was, you know, because we all we all read it when we were kids. And then through some event in adulthood, we stopped reading or something like that. And then something brought us back. Uh, so I'm always interested to hear what brings people back. And it's so cool that you, someone you were working with was the one that brought you back. And mm -hmm. that sort of then exploded into this new passion that you have. That's based on an old passion, obviously, but it's, right. it's really great to hear about that. Uh, that the Grit book, is, is that the one that's from uh, Scout Comics? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that book. Three that book is really yeah, that book is really cool. Um, so 
you talked about looking at people's art, trying to study it, trying to dissect it, recreate it, figure out how to draw it that way and what makes it great. Being an editor, do you find that you're it, like, especially on Sam, which is a, a, geared towards younger readers, but it's, it's all ages, but geared definitely towards younger readers. Do you find yourself looking at younger reader books and trying to dissect that those books and seeing how, like how many words should be on a panel, how they should be flowing, what kind of language should be used? Are you thinking about that when you're editing Sam? I do. So uh, just personal about me, I have four children and I mm -hmm. read to them um, all through their growing up years. And so I'm also a connoisseur of children's books and I enjoy the, the well-written children's books. And the, the authors that were able to, you know, capture with a few words, emotions, uh, and be able to, you know, not dumb down things for kids, you know, the Eric Carls and the, um, you know, Shel Silversteins and, you know, others that are not coming to mind right now, um, but uh, Dr. Seuss and um, E.M. Geist and, and other people that, you know, can convey with such a small amount of words, a, a really powerful story come to mind a lot of times. Um, but I also recognize that they're teaching through those efforts. And that's what I think that these all ages comics can do. They can teach. And so when I'm looking at what Chris has written, I look at the words and I say, okay, um, I don't want them dumbed down. I don't think that we should have um, contractions in there. And so spreading out some of those don'ts to do nots and, you know, thinking about that. And even though it may be a little bit different in how somebody would speak, you know, trying to figure out, okay, if they're going to be reading this, how are they going to read this? And then in some, when it's actually a word bubble where somebody's speaking and it's a kid speaking, how would the kid be speaking? And mm. so kind of watching out for, for some of that, but um, I, I definitely colors how I'm, you know, viewing the writing and trying to figure out how it's attaching to the emotions of the scene. Uh, I remember editing the, uh, I think it was issue six that uh, had, you know, uh, a lot of the um, uh, pictographs of the sign language um, within the panels and, you know, looking at, okay, how is that being written, you know, and so instead of uh, I, I think the um, we kind of looked at it as PIC, P-I-C instead of P-I-C-T, you know, because we wanted it to kind of, again, resonate back with the younger, uh, younger audience um, and thinking about how that's going to be, you know, noted there that this is the panel that connects with this sign that's going on and thinking about that educationally and how a student or how not a student, how a uh, kid would read that and kind of look at that. And so, yes. To, to kind of, uh, uh, to give you a long answer, yes, I think that um, it has colored how I, you know, view the uh, the books. You find now that when you're, you know, we, we, you, you touched on it a little bit, you're talking about now looking at people's art, reading mm -hmm. comics, you, you know, it, you know, like you said, it's, it, it's, for me, making comics and lettering comics definitely changes how I read comics, when I'm looking for inspiration, especially. So are you, when you're actively reading comics now, are you thinking about, oh, okay, that's a cool trick, you know, for, for, um, you know, obviously with art, you're thinking about that, but especially with like editing when you're like uh, thinking about um, what choices were made, what's left out, what's kept in, does that sort of color your, your reading nowadays? That's a great question. 
So in the newer books that I'm reading for pleasure, mm-hmm. no, it, no. It, okay. it, um, I, I look for things that are kind of pleasing to the eye and, and then sort of what, um, what's happening in the book and trying to, you know, keep that on, um, kind of on my mind at all times. But I do find myself when I'm in the, looking at the dollar bin or the 50 cent bin or, or something like that, I, I find comics and I'll quickly flip through them and I'm looking for something cool or unique. And so recently I picked up a couple of um, old image books like Pitt, you know, and there were just some fantastic splash pages or dual spreads that, you know, are just, you know, I, I think why did they decide to do the paneling that way? You know, why did they break free of the traditional nine panel, eight panel, four panel, six panel, whatever, into, you know, this entire drawing with different panels around it, or even breaking those panels into little triangles or squares or something that's different. And I find myself dissecting those. The, um, you know, Pitt was one, uh, Cyberforce is another, you know, one of the top cow books that just you know, they really broke some of the boundaries of kind of traditional comics. And then look at, looking at early Todd McFarlane Spider-Man and, you know, looking at that kind of how he really turned the industry around um, on its head sometimes as to how he was drawing things and how did he, you know, combat the editorial um, kind of dictatorship that was there to, you know, really revitalize the reader's experience um, from the artist's perspective. And then he, of course, he was writing the story there at that time for Spider-Man, but thinking back to, okay, so why was this decision made or why was that decision made? And, you know, some of the writing's terrible. I, I mean, <laughs> the stories are not that great. And so for me, the artist is kicking in thinking about how it's laid out, uh, and, and thinking about how I would create my own comic. Do I want something that is more, you know, really storytelling through the panels, or do I really want, you know, something that really stands out and, um, and sort of breaks the, the barriers of those panels. And I find myself leaning back more towards the structure of the panel for me being a new kind of thinking about how to, I'm going to tell a story. I don't think that I'm brave enough or, um, perhaps that, you know, advanced enough to be able to think through some of these other things that were happening then for those artists that were ready for that. Um, and they were tired of that traditional storytelling. So there's sort of that, that dual or that dichotomy in me that's fighting back and forth that I love seeing it. And I love seeing these other artists and how, how they did that and how, um, revolutionary it was at the time to coming back to, okay, I'm definitely more of a conservative uh, looking at these panels. Um, And then even something is, you know, that has been talked about so many times about the Watchmen panels and, you know, how small panels here and there. And then the McFarlane long lines of the actual drawing that's there. um, I I still, I shy away from things like that. You know, I, I think in my mind, I'm creating the Here's a panel. Here's the story within the panel. This is what I'm telling right now. Okay, here's the next panel. How did it connect to that first panel? But here's the story for this next panel and so forth and so on. So I don't know, but it is kind of cool to really dissect the pages and try to figure out what somebody was doing and then how they probably battled the <laughs> the person who was looking at it going, what are you doing? I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. And I'm 
I'm curious now. Um, so you came on to fully edit Sam issue six. Yes. And Azami was still drawing at that time. So this yes. is new. You're not totally, I mean, you probably went back and read the first five issues and sort of saw how Azami drew things and how Chris wrote things, obviously. And then you you edited for for Azami and Chris on that one. Mm-hmm. Did you find that you kind of got better working with Chris and Azami as you went through? I think Azami was on seven and eight as well, right? Or just on seven? Uh, seven, and then Josh picked up on. Then Josh Dr. came up and picked up on eight. Came up on eight, yeah. So Josh, so so did you? So after you did that first issue, I, and I, and this is sort of just a question as to how did you, how how did you feel editing for an artist in the ways that you were probably considering word count, how they lay out pages, what needs to be delivered in each panel. Um. Were you considering those things when you were editing that first issue or was, were you still pretty new to it at that time? I was very new to it in issue six and, and really the um, I was uh, looking at grammar. I was looking at how the words laid out. Chris, in his mind, thinks through, you know, what's the maximum length should, that should be in a word bubble. And so he already has that sort of staccato, um, of, or not staccato, but the amount of words that should be within that bubble. And he's tra- he tries to stick to that. There are occasions when it's a little more verbose uh, and, you know, he's a writer. And so he wants to have more exposition sometimes. And so you scale that back a little bit or you break it into different panels. But that first um, foray into it, it was definitely more of, you know, here's the grammar here, you know, put a comma here, put a pause in this, you know, bubble, don't run on so far, you know, look at the, how the word choices are being used to, you know, how people are speaking, you know, here's an adult that's speaking, here's a kid that's speaking, what should be the differences there? When I got into issue seven, I felt a little bit more kind of, um, I, I don't know, I, I, it just, I had one under my belt. So it was just like, yeah, okay, yeah. here's the script. I feel a little bit better about this. All right. And so Chris and I kind of went back and forth a couple of times with the, the script. He sent it to Azami. Azami would submit the art pages. Chris would show me the art pages. And then, you know, there were a few things that I was like, okay, what's this choice here? And, you know, what's happening? Um, here's a little bit of a color difference. Is that just me, my computer versus his computer? You know, I was asking some questions more along the lines of, you know, okay, why is is it being drawn this way? Was it just drawing fast, trying to get it done? You know, um, the emblem of Sam with the with the S. Um, okay, there's a red rim around it here. There's not a red rim around it here. Is that right. you know a mistake? Is that just something that was missed? You know, here's this background. The background's a little bit different here than it was here. Is that you know there's no continuity there? And so I started looking at it that way. Um, a little bit more closely because I felt that, you know, Chris said, well, now you're the editor, you know, before it was just sort of, I wanted to help out. And then all of a sudden I have this, you know, page that says editor in there. And so the first time I saw that, that was really cool. And um, so having that credit, I was like, oh, wait a second. I didn't realize you were putting me in the book. Um, I just thought I was helping you out. And so then I took it, maybe that next level of seriousness. And so when Josh Nickerson came on board, which I really love his art style. It's, it's kind of um, it's unique. And, and I like the way he drew Sam and um, the characters that surrounded Sam. I really enjoyed his textured backgrounds that were a little bit different um, with the, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but it's almost like a dual tune, dual tone or something. I don't know, but the dots 
Um, oh yeah, the, places, the um, screen tones. Yeah, screen tones. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And so I enjoyed how that was done on a lot of the backgrounds. But then again, my my eye was becoming a little more critical at that point. You know, how are the the panels flowing together? You know, is it connecting back to you know Chris's words? Um, if there was something, you know, I'm trying to remember. It may have been back to issue six. Um, I think it may have been issue six, but Azami had drawn the kids at a lunch table, but there was no food on the lunch table. And so I, and I'm remembering that as well. Like, you know, why isn't there any food on the table? You know, you described them eating chicken nuggets, but there's no trays on the table. And so then they added the trays. I think that was issue six. Um, but then Josh, you know, he he kind of took the things that Chris said, you know, after we talked and then they showed up on the next you know, series of images. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that kind of works. That's cool. Uh, and then when he did the um, amazing world of superior Sam and the black lives matter issue, you know, I, I was like, okay, Chris, you're, you're stepping into some political topics and this is great because it was speaking to what was going on at the time. And so I appreciated his foray into that, you know, and thinking about, okay, you know, these are kids, but we can talk about these topics. And so Sam takes a knee, um, you know, I, we, we talked. And so it was sort of some back and forth about should Sam do this? Should Sam do this in this panel? Should this look like this? And there were a couple of times when we sort of talked back and forth, okay, it might be controversial if this happened. So maybe we should do it this way. And then the, um, I think the, I gotta remember, I think the back panel or the back page is um you know what what was going to be the um the you know uh the back cover and it was there going to be something on there a little bit more than than that and and, and chris really wanted the black lives matter with the black and so that was a, a really nice thing that got done um and so again i think that um the final image we talked a lot about too with Sam taking a knee with with his new uh, superhero there and all of the superheroes around. And we had some conversation about how that was going to look and how that was going to play out. So, again, I liked when, when Josh picked that up and had the different art style. It was really nice. But we became more uh, of a team, all three of us and talking and, you know, how those those pieces came together. The. Um, Kickstarter, the the volume one that came out and, you know, the trade, uh, it was great to sit down and revisit and kind of go back and look from issue one on uh, and think about how, okay, there were there were some errors early on. And so <laughs> getting a chance to go back and correct those, I think, was really good. And so, Chris, um, he, you know, actually had developed more as a writer. And so he wanted to change some of the panels and that became a challenge because Azami had been, you know, the artist then, not Josh, but Josh was helping us, you know, to create that. And so there were some conversations around that. And so we were able to change some of the words, but not necessarily the art, which is totally fine. Um, and then the um, kind of where we're at now with the new one, um, which I'm sure you're going to talk a little bit about as well, you know, is, is really, it's, it's fun. It's just fun to do this because we're able to take a passion and to take something that we love and create and put it out there for the world. And so with the Kickstarter out there, I'm, I'm hoping that it'll make and I feel confident that it will, but we really need to keep pushing and so that it can come into the world. And that's the, that's the creative 
you know, birth process. And sometimes it's painful. Like right now, you know, you're, you're rooting and rooting and rooting for it and, and pushing for it. Um, but it's such a, a wonderful topic and thinking about, you know, animals that need homes and, you know, what that will mean to people who, you know, get those animals and how it may help them. And the, the pages and the story is, is just great. So again, it's just a, a wonderful opportunity to, to allow Chris to write, allow Josh to draw and allow me just to try to connect dots. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, to kind of go back to the uh, superior Sam takes a knee issue. And I, I, and from what I've read of this, this new issue as well, I've read the whole script. I've not really read the whole issue because we haven't, Josh hasn't finished the art on everyone needs a home, but what impresses me about takes a knee. And I talked about it. I've talked about it with Chris on a couple interviews is that I, I read it out loud to my niece. I had read it previously, but I read it out loud to my niece and she was uh, six at the time. And it's this high wire act, you know, talking about these kinds of issues, especially with little kids, because they pick up on things. They ask questions really fast if they don't understand something mm -hmm. or if they see uh, an inconsistency. Kids are so perceptive to that, even more than adults, because I can read it knowing my friend wrote it, but my niece can't doesn't read it that way, you know. So I read it to my niece and she was just hooked the whole time. Mm -hmm. I think it helped to have kids in there that are her age doing things, asking the questions, explaining it to her. That really mattered. But it's a high wire act because like you said, it can be, you can be speaking on this non-controversial topic, right? This is not something that should be controversial. Right. But if you handle it a certain way, it can go over the edge and whether you intended it or not offend someone that had to be stressful working on that book. If was it, I'm guessing there was a lot of long conversations, like you said, and uh, was it hard sort of not to not overthink everything on that book? Were you guys able to sort of just focus on the story and just tell it that way or yeah, I'm, I'm just curious how, how that, how that process went about. I don't know the, the process that Chris went through writing it. And yeah. I think that, that was probably the most arduous to get to the point of, I'm going to tell this story. I'm a former police officer. I may offend some people that, you know, wore the, the uniform and the badge with me. Um, I think that he pushed through a lot of that to make sure that, um, he was putting a voice to something that he was feeling. And for me, it, it's, it was a great story. I wanted to be able to get that out there and share it. And, you know, it was more of the, you know, how do we tell the story without being offensive to, to anybody, you know, but to allow the educational aspect to come through. And so that was sort of part of it. And so I think Chris did a lot of the heavy lifting with this one to get it to the point where we were um, ready to put it together and put it out there. Um, so I, I think that that was probably the, um, he probably did the hardest work for it because oh, I mean, it's, it's it, his it name. You know? Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. We had him on when he was kickstarting it two years ago, we've talked about it with him before. You know, I was, I was very curious yeah, as to your sort of perception of what was going on. 
mm-hmm. um, when you got that script. Cause it's, yeah, it's a, I love all the books, but that one, especially you can really see Chris coming into his own with something that's, I mean, obviously this whole series is, is important to him, but it seems like with every issue, it becomes more and more important to him. And it's sort of, you know, it reached its Zenith for now. Mm-hmm. And superior Sam takes a knee. I think it'll reach its Zenith again with um, everyone needs a home. It's uh, right. yeah. So that's, that's gotta be cool to witness that, you know, as you, as you've worked with him for the last uh, three or four issues. Yeah. I didn't go back and look at the, the conversation that we had going back and forth with that one, because I, I sort of pulled up the first time that we sort of had the, the back and forth and how timid and, um, kind of how non-offensive I wanted to be in talking with the writer, you know, uh-huh. you know, Hey, I see these things, but I didn't go forward and look at this one. I did look at some of the, um, for the new issue for the Kickstarter issue and some of the talk that we had. And, you know, I know we had a phone call where he was going in one direction with the story. And, and I was just like, well, Hey, you know, that that's okay. But it seems like maybe this would be kind of a cool thing to have happen to allow the person to feel like they need to get this animal. And so, and then to see that come into the story and, you know, Chris has always wanted to say, well, do you need a writer credit for that or something like that? No, I don't even need to be listed as the editor or anything. I'm just, you know, I'm shooting the breeze with you and talking about these things. It's kind of like what we do with comics anyways, about what we love about this superhero, what we love about this story or something um, and how we could have done something differently later on. But no, I'm not the writer. I don't know how to put these things into a script on the pages. Um, you know, I like to draw. And so I'm thinking about what the image is going to look like, not necessarily the words that are going to populate the page. Um, but yes, I think that uh, Chris did almost all of the heavy lifting there. And he knew that it was going to be his name attached to it and, you know, his reputation and the people that, you know, look to him. And I think that. Um, it does lift him up. This it was a great story. It's an opportunity for kids to tackle a serious subject and to see that they can make a difference. Um, and it's it's light enough that again, all ages will be able to read it. So very, very young, and they'll look and see, okay, yeah, there was a protest. But I think the the thing that I think about is that it is okay to protest. It and that's kind of what. Um, needs to take place sometimes. And so why are we protesting the protesters, so to speak? You know, why are we against somebody being a wanting to speak their mind, uh, especially if they're doing it in a way that is appropriate? You know, they were taking a knee in the, the place of the school. They weren't on a street. They weren't blocking the road. They weren't vandalizing or knocking down, you know, signs and busting out windows. You know, they were being respectful. They were saying, hey, that's not right. And then fortunately in the story that there was an opportunity for somebody to say, hey, I have a cell phone video of actually what happened, you know, and so that challenge of authority at that point, telling kids that it's okay to do that if you have that um, kind of that voice that you can use your voice to um, change the outcome of something. So I think that, again, it's just it's a great story and I'm glad that he put it together so that um, it could come out. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a great story. Um, and it doesn't, it, it, again, the, the great balance of that book is that in all the books that don't come off as preachy or talking down to the kids. That's just another great, it's just, it just, it comes off as just sort of magic with sort of what he does. Cause like, I, 
talking to kids is hard because you don't want to be, because they get it. They are so perceptive. They know when you're talking down to them, they know when you're not respecting them and they'll tune you out right away. But it amazes me that Chris isn't a dad or anything because he sort of has that almost like really good sense of how to talk to kids through his books, how to tell them a story. And that's, that's how he gets his message through. And I, I kind of want to talk about, um, you know, uh, the, the Kickstarter now um, about the, the, the subject material. And I'm just curious, are, are you, um, do you have experience with rescue animals or anything like that yourself? So we have a, um, a black lab. Uh, mm-hmm. and my um, black lab and yellow lab are on the covers. <laughs> of oh. the book. So I'm kind of excited to see that I was able to share that image with my children and they got a big kick out of it. Um, when we got River, uh, so our, our dogs are named River Song and Amelia Pond. And oh, Dr. I see. Who, Dr. Who yeah. fans may uh, understand those references. Yep. But uh, River Song was a rescue pet that another family got. And the river was a little bit too excitable for them and their young children. Uh, I went over there to, to meet River to their family. And they were wanting to, you know, give River away. And I had brought my daughter, my oldest daughter, and I fell in love with River right away. And so it was kind of like a, a no-brainer to, for me to, you know, take River into our family. And um, my oldest daughter, it's, it's her dog, uh-huh. uh, you know, and of course we claim it as a family. My wife wasn't too thrilled with me because we also had had a beagle at that time. Uh-huh. And so you know, we had a beagle in a lab and a, and a lab mix because River's a lab mix, but mostly lab. And so that's the experience that I have. Um, River was a, an abused animal. And so even right from the get-go, if you were to um, come to her and have your hand up at all, she cowered tail down between her legs and sort of just immediately dropped And so I don't know what her previous life was, but just from those reactions, she was probably beaten. Um, She was probably kept uh, um, somewhere that was not optimal. She hates a cage. She won't go into a kennel at all. Um, When we used to um, have a, we had 22 acres where I was before and we had a kennel outside, she would chew through the metal um, to try to get out of the kennel because I think that she had been caged into something small, Um, but she hates being outside. She loves being inside. Uh, She will tolerate outside if people are out there with her. (laughs) Um, But over the course of of a few months, it was a different dog. Um, And so that love that you show the animals, um, they they change. And so now, you know, River's just a beloved member of the family. We don't know how old she is. We're fairly sure that she's a couple of years older than my lab, Amelia. Um, And so... um, Again, that's just our experience with with rescue pets. And so it's a story that's going to be, you know, close to to my heart. And, and I'm glad that, you know, Chris is, you know, telling this story. Um, I can't wait to see all the pages either. I, I want to see how it all comes together. I've loved the preview pages. Um, I like the small changes that have been made already, you know, to kind of fit um, some of the, the storyline that's there. And I'm just super excited to, again, have this come out into the world because when kids read this and when parents read this to kids, there are plenty of pets that 
are ready to be adopted right now. And, you know, I recently saw a story where, you know, a group went out and rescued 4,000 beagles from kill shelters and from a lot of different places where they weren't being treated well. And of course, I immediately sent a message to my wife saying, you know, we need to find and get one of these beagles uh, because I also love beagles. And, um, you know, but it's it's that kind of tale that there are so many animals that need love, um, you know. And, and kids need love. But again, the way into telling this story that could potentially lead to future adults, you know, adopting animals, um, adopting the um, the new family members that come into your life uh, and showing them love, it's important. And Chris has that background as well with, with his cats. And, you know, it's kind of a nice way for him to tell that story and how, you know, his family has been able to take some of the cats and their experiences and, you know, change the animals lives and in the process, change our lives. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful story. I'm looking forward. Definitely. I I love the first four pages that are on the Kickstarters. People can look at that right now. Um, It's got, it's, and I I think Chris has given Josh the go ahead to start working on more. So we might be seeing some more pages here soon. So great. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, so, uh, with, uh, so with the Kickstarter, um, and I don't think uh, Chris made a joke the other night. I was like, I rolled my eyes. Cause I was like, yeah, right. Cause he said, yeah, if we don't get this funded, I'm never going to write again. And I just was like, yeah, right. You know, it's like, you're going to write again, buddy. Don't. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do Sam again. Um, uh, if you could pitch, though, to Chris, uh, a, a, a topic that you wish people talked about more, I'm curious, what, what's a topic you would you would like to see Superior Sam cover? If you could, Chris is you're never going to convince him, obviously, because he's got his own ideas. But if there was a topic you'd like to see, uh, it doesn't even have to be Superior Sam, but sort of an all ages comic. What, what, what would you like to see um, spoken about? Right. I think there's two topics. One he touched on in one of the issues with Sam going to see the counselor. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see an issue dedicated specifically to mental health um, and the, the young you know, child mental health. Um, and it's OK to seek out help and to, to spend an entire you know, 10, 12, 15, 18 pages on that and how the counselor, you know, talks to the kid and, and works with them through some of the issues. And maybe it's a series of visits that, you know, showcase that again, it's okay to, you know, talk about your feelings and, you know, what you're going through. And so that's one. And then I think that we have a, um, a budding crisis on our hands and I'll be dealing with it with college age students, but we're coming out of a national pandemic um, and a worldwide pandemic where, the kids have kind of gone through it. And I think that they're still a little shell-shocked and possibly, you know, suffering through some of that um, feelings of, you know, hey, my parents didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. No one in authority knew what was going on. And so the anxiety that can kind of creep up and push through, I think we're going to see that a lot in our um, elementary aged or, you know, middle school kids, uh, we're going to see a little bit more isolationism kind of happening. Uh, so again, it's another side of mental health and I have no idea how to really present that, but possibly through social anxiety, you know, looking at the, um, extreme uh, introvert for just an example of people know introverts and extroverts, but really the, the crippling, um, 
fear that's associated with that social anxiety and then how to overcome that. And so I think an issue dedicated to somebody who got physically ill when they're trying to go back to school or to experience, you know, a middle school dance, perhaps if Sam ages and we do a jump there or something to um, kind of being able to be a part of the group at the end and having that support from the group, because that's what's going to get everybody through this is that support of that friend group. That's awesome. Yeah, those would be great topics. I would definitely like to read those books as well. So uh, one more question before we wrap up. Um, I think we, we talked about it a little bit on Sunday night, but you've you've done some comic pages recently with Chris. What was that like to sort of switch roles from being an editor with Chris to now working with him as an artist on a comic? I, I think it's it's pretty amazing. So Chris had written a short story and I had had an opportunity to read it. And I think that he wasn't planning to do anything with it. And so I had asked him, I said, well, would you mind if if I tackle, you know, maybe trying to do some sequential art to it? And so what I didn't expect was for him to then take it and make it into a script. And so he made it into a comic script and then sent that to me. And then um, what I've been um what I was doing was initially I kind of thought about, okay, how do I want to tell this story based upon the script that he submitted? And this, I'm not trying to, you know, be the artist and, you know, <laughs> it's going to drive the story and whatnot, but I really felt that there were a couple of images in my head that popped out immediately. And I put them down on paper or digitally to say, okay, this actually is where I think the story should begin. And so during one of the last panels in the short story, when he wrote the script, that part of the story was no longer there. Well, that was one of the parts of the story that I loved. Okay. And so I took that kind of image that I thought was the kind of quintessential part of the story and then put it right at the beginning as sort of a, you know, um, kind of the now image. And so you think about how uh, it's just a kind of a shocking image right at the beginning that you don't really know what's going on to then have it be okay earlier. And then you start with the part that's, that Chris had written as the script as to kind of the um, the words that people were saying and the dialogue. And so I kind of put together that story of the kind of the training officer complaining about it, the, the actual officer that's training him and the trainee versus the trainer and how the sergeant doesn't care. And so I put together those images and then I set the scene with the city and the scape and sort of the town that he was kind of, you know, talking about as they were driving downtown. And so I'm thinking about this buddy cop image and again, setting that scene. So when I got to that point, um, I, I think I had shared with you on, on Sunday that, you know, I, I moved, I got a new job. And so I'm kind of starting again. And so I had put that on the shelf. And so now I'm, I'm starting to get that itch to get back into it. And so I was looking at those images that I started drawing digitally and felt like, okay, I need to get this back and put it on paper. And then the actual images that I've hand drawn and sort of started putting letters in, um, because again, I was just doing it for fun, not really thinking about a future publication in terms of actually, yeah, maybe submitting it out into the real world, but not like an official capacity, not like having you letter it or, huh. you know, somebody official get in there and, and do some things. Um, and then Chris was like, well, just draw it. Don't put the word bubbles in yet, because that's going to be somebody else doing that in the future. Or perhaps it's done with a, you know, digital eye versus 
you know, hand drawing it in there because my lettering's terrible. <laughs> um, and so it's just kind of funny, but I wanted to be able to see, okay, here's the drawing. This is where I'm, where I think the word bubble should be and how it would fit within the scene. Um, so that's kind of coming down. So yes, I, I, I'm dabbling into the sequential art to tell the story. And like I had mentioned earlier, that's where I'm looking, okay, do I want to do something a little more experiential um, or do I want it to be conservative? And so right now it's, it's sort of conservative. I have a half splash page with a couple images. I have, you know, the standard three, two, one, or, you know, three, one, two, or something like that pages um, and not um, like when I've drawn out the thumbnails, they're, they're not the um, Todd McFarlane's or the, <laughs> or the Mark Silvestri's or, you know, somebody else that was um, really pushing the envelope back in the day. So thanks for bringing that up. I, I wasn't going to talk about that, but I really enjoy the, the thought process. And, you know, I'm hoping that Chris doesn't mind the um, little changes in my head that I think are coming to really tell the complete story. Well, you know, he he gets bothered by the weirdest things. I was not expecting. I well, just a little bit about my lettering on the book. I I changed some things around. Like I every once in a while there'd be two words that were the same on top of each other or something like that. So I would just look up a synonym and I'd switch it around, right? Or I realized on one page that like help and or was in there too many times. So I was like, you know what? I'll just just so this looks a little more visually diverse switch this around. And I, and I, that's what I do on all my lettering things. Like I just, I just do that instinctively because I'm just thinking about it visually and how it's laid out. And it's sort of funny that I didn't think anyone would notice that Chris, Chris noticed. <laughs> so I was, so it is, and it's funny because he gave me some, he gave me some crap about it, but then he was like, ah, it's okay. So <laughs> who knows what bothers him. <laughs> That's what he does. And you know, yeah. it's really interesting because I know the first time that, that I gave him feedback, um, you know, he came back and and I was just like, whoa, I, I'm just, you know, hey, man, it's you do what you got to do. I, I'm just giving you some suggestions. But then after he thought about it and processed it a little bit, he was like, yeah, that's better. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's that initial when you're the creator. Yeah. You know, you don't want any type of feedback. You think it's perfect. And then when something goes through, it's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, yeah, and he's and he'll be the first to admit that too. And uh, I think one thing about Chris that's great is that he doesn't leave anything inside. Like he'll let you know how he's feeling right away. Right. So you never have to do any double. You don't have to like you know double guess or go out like you know try to analyze the situation with Chris. He lets you know how he's feeling right in the moment, which is kind of it can be intense at times, but it's also kind of a relief because you you always know what he wants, which is great. Right. Um, what, when you're drawing your your comic, or uh, on Sunday we were drawing on Instagram Live, and you're doing it all pencils, mm -hmm. inks on on Bristol board, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And is that how you're doing your comic as well, or are you doing something digital, like some like thumbnails digitally, or something like that? So the very first time that I started putting out images just to see conceptually if I was even going to be able to put together some cop drawings and cop cars and, and cityscaped and whatnot. It oh, was... my head. I can't. I hate those things. <laughs> so I, I, I took a um, uh, sketchbook on the iPad, you mm -hmm. know, and then it was my first foray with a digital pencil on in that. And so I was able to really knock down um, some. I, I thought some pretty nice drawings. And so I was like, okay, I, I think that could actually work. And so 
um, I took that and then drew a full page on um, Bristol board. So a comic art page 11 by 17. And so I got the, the first um, kind of splash page that I saw. I went ahead and drew that out. Uh, I haven't inked it yet. I just kind of did it in a, a blue pencil lead, um, HB lead. And then once I got that in there, I did two other full pages. And so about 12 panels um, uh, of art on that traditional frame. But then I got kind of bogged down, was moving. And so as I was in transition in different places, because I was in temporary housing for about two weeks before I even got into this place, I was um, kind of sketching some things out on the on the iPad. And it was more or less just a panel here or a panel there, or me thinking about, um, you know, how two people might be interacting. And so I was sketching that out. I was looking for images uh, across the, the web, um, how different police officers stood, you know, where their um, uh, radios were on their shoulders, you know, and, and figuring out how to draw that, how it looked when two people sat in a car uh, and then we're talking. And so somebody looking out the window, somebody kind of uh, driving and what that looked like, how do they, how did the back look um, through the back windshield. Um, a lot of, I don't know if you've ever noticed it in movies, but they may not have the headrests on cars. And so, you know, is that realistic or not realistic or the rear view mirrors gone because that's where they have the camera mounted. And so you, you know, you want to see as much as you can inside the vehicle. Um, they've gone away from that, I think a little bit now because people have started catching that visually, but how do you want that scene in your, your drawings? Uh, so I started really focusing in on some of those details digitally to see if, you know, they would come through. And so now I, what I would like to do is take some of those um, panels and redraw them. Uh, and then some of the original panels that I drew, erase out the word bubbles and then sort of flesh that out with um, my inks. Uh, the latest thing that I was doing right before I, I kind of stopped and shelved it for a little bit was I was doing some digital brushing and just seeing what some of the shadows may look like in some of the areas and how I was thinking in my head, okay, how is this going to translate to a traditional inking? Because um, I really would like it to be really gritty, uh, black and white, uh, making it feel like um, you know, you're there at night, uh, kind of in that shadowy type feel uh, in that realm. And so some areas being crisp that you want focused in on and then some fading away. That's very easy to do digitally. It's not so easy to do when you're, <laughs> you know, actually using a, a brush pen or, you know, some sort of micron or something uh, to get more of a grayish tone. So we'll see how it works out. But yes, I, I do things on paper and that's my primary focus. I love to draw on the Bristol board and, and use the, um, the inks and the markers. Uh, a lot of what I do too, I do some experimenting with uh, water and ink. And so doing some washes and I, I really enjoy that. Um, but sometimes I destroy the the paper and I got to watch out for that. Yeah. I, yeah, I've, what I've seen of the art on it, it's, I, I really love the texture you've got going for it. I, 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 I do similar stuff. I like, I like my, I like the art. I love, you know, you were talking about that grit book. I love how textured the artwork is in that. And that's sort of what I'm drawn towards. And I, that's what I like to draw as well. So I, I love, I love lines on a page, you know, I don't, I, I love to see 
as much gunk as I possibly can on a page. You know, those are my favorite pages. So, and I, so I really love your art. It's, it's really great. Well, thank um, you. Looking forward to hopefully seeing the finish, the finish short whenever you and Chris get back to it. Right. My goal is to have it uh, by the end of the year. That's the ultimate goal that I have. And I put that out there into the world. Uh, I've talked about it with some of the students that I teach. And, you know, I, when I put something out like that, then I try to accomplish that because uh, I feel like I'm a man of integrity and I, you know, I do what I say I'm going to do and uh, I'd like to get that completed. So I have faith that I will, it's just going to, you know, I got to get adjusted here into my new job and the, the back and forth sometimes to Harrisonburg is a little bit trying, but the, the long hours and working with students, I love it, but I do need that de-stressor and art's a de-stressor. That's so. great. Yeah. That's, uh, when you're an artist or when you're drawn to art, it's it's just a necessity in your life, right? It's not even something, I don't know. I know some artists are more disciplined than I am, but I don't really feel like I need to be disciplined with it. I just mm -hmm. sort of need it, you know? And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is amazing when you feel a calling in that direction and it's, it's just a passion at that point. Um, right. So with... Uh, Sorry, I keep I keep coming up with more questions as we talk, but I will I'll I'll, I'll wrap up eventually if you but I'll let you go. Um, but with with uh, with teaching, do you uh, do you find times where you're able to like in, incorporate comics into your into your teaching, or is that uh, uh, is that is that rare? Uh, I'm not really able to do that. So I teach professional communication and uh -huh. uh, so and professionalism, uh, and so within that there's not really room to really talk about comics in general. Um, when I talk about being a professional and having outside interests, that's an interest that, you know, I talk about with students, you know, that you need to have um, a varied kind of experience. And so I think that during, I'm able to do that during the last class because the last class is a reflection of the course itself. And so the students get to ask me questions. And so I talk about some of those things and I may grab something off my shelf and show them, you know, hey, I'm really in love with something is killing the children and this is why. And, you know, open up and show some of the artwork that's there um, or, you know, hey, here's some of the art that I've done that may be up on my walls that you can't see. Um, you know, and, and I'm noticing now in my camera viewing that this area over here is really blank, um, whereas <laughs> almost every other wall in here has a poster of, of some type of, of comic on there. You know, I've got uh, Philadelphia, I'm sorry, um, Nightmare blog behind me with Jason Sean Alexander's work on it, um, you know, and then Ed Pisker right over here with the yeah. hip hop statues that got really damaged on their transport from China. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> just sort of <laughs> happens. You know, my art supplies that are all down here in boxes that I pull out occasionally to get everything done. But um, I do get a chance to sort of talk with them and they get intrigued by, you know, OK, here's this professional who's been working in the field for 20 plus years, 25 plus years, who has a doctorate in higher education administration, who loves comics, who, you know, wants to create, who edits and works on an all ages children's book, um, who is working to try to get a Kickstarter going you know, 50 backers, we need about 550 or $450 or some amount that um, please go out and purchase. And we need an angel investor. So those millions of people that will listen to this podcast, yeah, investor to step in and, and, you know, give us lots of money to put this book out there. Yeah, currently um, we are at 76% and $479 to go. 
So, and with, with 10 days to go. So we've got time, now. but we've got a lot of cool stuff on there. Like Jason said, he got his, his dogs are on the cover. We get stickers. I've got, we got magnets. We got, um, yeah, but I think the big thing is, you know, you can have your, your rescue animal drawn into the book. I've, I backed it at that tier. I'm going to have my cat drawn in. Wonderful. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be, and it's a cool book and it's not just, it's, it is perfect for kids, but I love reading these books too. So people got to check it out. It's, it's a great book. Yeah. Hey, I fell in love with it. It was on the um, display yeah. stand at the comic book store when I first started going. And I, I was like, well, what's this? And they said, oh, it's a local writer artist that works here in the store. And I was like, all right, I'll buy, buy one. And so I bought the first three issues at that point, you know, and so I've since bought all of them and multiple copies and given them away. And I bought a number of the trade paperbacks and, you know, have given them out to people to read with their kids um, it's absolutely fabulous, fabulous. And so the story that we were concocting and putting out there into the world is, is wonderful. Um, I can't wait to see all the art. I know it's going to be great. Um, Josh does wonderful work, uh, and comes out in time. So if you back to Kickstarter, you will get it. Yep. Um, and then, um, there's also a great, uh, tier for Mossville. And so, yes. you know, I don't know if, you wanted to talk at all about Mossville, but I had an opportunity to read that and I, I really enjoyed it. So, and again, another sort of all ages book there that, um, you know, kids and adults can read and enjoy all at the same time. Yeah. I love, uh, I loved working on Mossville. I love Travis who wrote and drew that book, who he um, draws his own uh, word balloons and uh, dialogue boxes. So when okay. I was lettering, I would have to resize them in Photoshop. And uh, I, I don't, I don't mind doing it because I know how to do that stuff. But it was, it was a challenge at times to to do that because it's all traditionally done. And it was, uh, yeah, I, I actually like, I, I, pref I love that challenge, you know, of like working within those parameters. And it is kind of nice when the artist shows you where they want the balloons, but uh, it doesn't allow you a lot of freedom. But it, it is still, it's just another aspect of lettering that I love. Yeah, Wasvale's great. You can you can definitely, if you missed that on the first Kickstarter, you can get it on this one. You can get all the Superior Sam books. You know, if you're listening, you know, and you're interested, you can get all of those. But the well, cool thing, and we can talk about this as we wrap up, you know, each issue is a standalone. It, you don't need to come in having read any of the other issues. It's it, it it does Chris does a really good job of letting you come in and understand everything that's happened before without really needing to over explain things and you can just hop into the story and read it and enjoy it and get out if you want to. So no pressure to read the whole series and there's digital tiers and a lot of great stuff. It's, it's a, it's a great Kickstarter. Absolutely. And you know, the, the first issue draws you right in, mm -hmm. you know, with Sam um, feeling like he's a superhero being challenged to do something that leads to an injury that's life-changing and then how he overcomes that life-changing event to continue to help people. And that's, again, another uh, thematic element through all the books that they just want to help people. And I think that that's amazing to get out, get across to young people that it's okay to, you know, get out there and to be positive and to help people through some of the issues that they're going through. And they meet people with different abilities throughout all of the issues. And it adds to Sam's crew and, and superhero team. They kind of uh, develop friendships that were outside their normal bounds. Uh, they reach out to others that are loners. Uh, it's just such a, again, 
Um, kids need to, to hear these types of stories so that they can feel confident in what they're going through. You know, there's a bully that they have to deal with. And so sort of some of that, that villain or that nemesis that's there and how they work with them. And then to have that sort of narrative change when the bully goes too far and even his pack and his posse turn against him. And so then, you know, how does that, you know, relate into the real world when, you know, these types of things happen. And so all of these topics can translate into real world life lessons. They're not morals. They're not beating you over the head. They're, you know, nothing there. They're just positive stories that can, uh, can help you relate to kids, some of the things that they're going through. Yeah, it's a, like, we can't say it enough. It's a really beautiful book. Um, really proud to be a part of it. Pretty proud. I'm really proud to be a part of it with Chris and Josh and you, Jason. And I'm very happy to be working on the, on the marketing side with, with Matt. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to the, uh, to getting this book out there to people for them to read and to check out. Um, Jason, where can people find you online? I, I know I follow you on Instagram and you'll post art and other things on there sometimes. Uh, I'm Jason A. Jones on Instagram. Uh, I'm also Doc Jones Draws, but I haven't been as active on that one. Um, I was trying to be a commissioned artist at some point. And so I was able to recreate some of the old comic book covers for a client that was asking for some things. And so I put that out there into the world as Doc Jones draws. And a lot of times I'll sign my art as Doc Jones or just Jones. It sort of depends on the mood that I'm feeling at that moment. Um, but Jason A. Jones at Instagram uh, is my handle. And I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, same thing. I'm just my my real self and my real person. Um, I watch out on uh, Facebook, though. If I don't really know you, you you're going to have to do a little bit more to convince me that you're you with all the fake bots that are out there. Um, but on Instagram, I, I definitely, you know, respond back and follow people. That's awesome. And sorry, one more question. Um, if people are interested in hiring you as an editor, are, are you are you open to that? Or are you a, are you a Superior Sam sort of exclusive right now? Gosh, Noah, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to ask anything like that or not. But that was one of the questions that has been running through my head for the past couple of days as I've been preparing for thinking about questions that you may ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I would be open to it. Uh, I, I hadn't given that much thought as a career path, but I have enjoyed it. And I think that that's the... Um, that's how I feel like I, I want to be able to read things and experience things and then to help bring things into the world. And so if there's somebody out there that needs somebody to review and look at some work, um, I'd be more than happy to entertain, you know, working with others. Um, Chris and I, we're friends. Um, I haven't been, you know, nor do I want to be paid for any of this work. I just enjoy it. Um, and so I don't know what that looks like as a business, to be honest with you. But in the idea of helping, again, bring a positive message out into the world, uh, I think that, that that would be something that would intrigue me. And so if somebody has, you know, a book that has a message or they need just some help to, you know, get their thoughts, you know, clear on paper or in the, the drawing to make sure that it's consistent, I'd be happy to work with people. That's awesome. So people can reach out to you on Instagram or... Yes. If they're lucky to be friends with you on Facebook through there, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> right. I'll have links to all of that in our show notes. 
uh, Jason, thanks for coming on the show. It was an honor to have you. Um, I'm going to post a link to the Kickstarter to Superior Sam. Everyone needs a home in the show notes as well. Uh, Matt, who's my co-host, is co-publishing that with Brett Murphy. Uh, I'm lettering the book. Obviously, Jason is editing the book. And Chris Barkham is the writer. Josh Nickerson is the artist, which means he's doing all the art, including the colors. And it's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. This is coming out through Ageless Press. But like I said, right now, it's on Kickstarter. So please check that out. Um, please give us a rating and review on your podcasting services. Uh, give us a follow on social media. Our Twitter is ConstructComPod. Instagram is ConstructingComicsPod. And Facebook is Facebook.com slash ConstructingComics. Thanks for listening. Be safe and be nice to each other and make some comics. We'll be back with another episode soon. Bye. Bye.